All right, back on the Fan Morning Show. Final hour of the morning for us. Sportsnet 5, the the fan. Ailish and Justin mm. with you, as always. Trade deadline a couple days away here in the NHL. So much for a bad deadline. Like, I mean, it might be bad this week. Friday could be a complete <laughs> disaster. But everyone was like, oh, there's nothing available. The names going off the board are insane. The deals are pretty wild and just to discuss, excuse me, those deals. And what we might have in store for us this week is our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus. We can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. That insider is Frank Saravelli, president of Hockey Contact at DailyFaceOff.com. What's going on, Frank? Uh, just an insane weekend, that's all. And Ailish. I mean, Ailish had the biggest news of the weekend with her send-off. So how'd no, that go? No, it was all, it she was did. wonderful, Frank. A lovely time, a, like nice ceremony. <laughs> it was like, I, it was like I, I had been there for years. So I was like, guys, I've been here for half a season, so thank you for that. But no, it was lovely. And I also went and picked out my puppy, so I had a great weekend, Frank. Oh, that's, what, what kind of puppy did you get? get uh, a Bernadoodle. Oh, wow. That's cute. cute. Not, just, our, not just our, our dog. Send turns a year old this week. Oh, so happy birthday. What kind yeah. of dog do you have, Frank? Uh, we have an English cream mixed with a uh, poodle. Oh, so we got a little doodle in you, too. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the way to do it. No shedding. Hyperallergenic. Smart. Right? Yep. Yeah, the floor, <laughs> floor of my house is a complete mess always with lab. <laughs> but we love him. We mm. love him. Uh, okay, so... Where's the mind after a really busy weekend? Obviously, uh, maybe trying to catch up on sleep, trying to get as much caffeine into you as possible. But uh-huh. Timo Meyer going, and then Tanner Janot kind of shutting down the night. Uh, what st- sticks out as the 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 biggest uh, the biggest point, the biggest trade, the most surprising thing? Like, what are you thinking about, or what were you thinking about when you woke up this morning? Well, I think the Janot trade and the return for it is what has captured everyone's attention, and I've really I've really put a lot of thought into how did the Tampa Bay Lightning arrive at this decision. And for all the people out there saying Julian Brisebois has lost his mind, I mean, look at some of the other trades that he's pulled off. How many people – I was talking – I was on the phone with league executives at the exact moment that they pulled the trigger for Barkley Goodrow – first round pick for Barkley Goodrow. They were literally apoplectic in their boardrooms saying, this is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. Seems to have worked out pretty well. Brandon Hagel has worked out pretty well. Uh, Nick Paul, what a fit. I mean, go through the trades that they've executed over the last number of years. His track record is more or less spotless. So let's start there. And then when you consider this is really what, what grabbed my attention is look at the, the Nashville Predators specifically this weekend. They trade Nino Niederreiter. They now move Tanner's and no, there's probably something coming from Mikhail Granlin, I would imagine. And Dante Fabro this week, mm. but it's been a slow bleed for the Preds for the last number of years, a mediocre team at best a team that is in the NHL's murky middle, not really a contender, not a playoff threat if they even make the playoffs and too far away from the lottery zone to really be of any threat to anyone there. So it's been a slow bleed and I'm looking at the lightning and I say they have a very significant three-year window 
including this year, until Victor Hedman's contract is up. Hedman will be up, Stamkos will be up, and they're trying to do everything in their power to win. And then my guess is they're going to try and bottom out as quickly as possible after that. Mm. Once Hedman's up and Stamkos is up, trade Point, trade Kucherov, trade all these guys, and get his, get all those picks back plus plus and fire it back up again after a few years. Don't go through a five-year period where you're languishing in the dark like some of these other teams have done. And so if that's their thought process, which is how I view it, then the tenors and O trade makes a lot of sense to me, getting a cost-controlled guy at age 22 that you think can score 20-plus goals on your third line and forecheck the heck out of everyone in the playoffs. Well, I think that's a great juxtaposition because I think you're bang on with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, Yeah, that's a massive price. Uh, But why would you not be trying to plug the hole that you perceive as the greatest? Like, they are in the market to do one thing. They are in the business to do one thing, which is to win Stanley Cups. And that sort of ambition has, guess what, paid off. They've won a couple Stanley Cups recently and been to three straight Stanley Cup finals. And I like that you said apoplectic because... I feel like the risk adverse nature of many teams in the NHL is what holds them back from being like the Tampa Bay lightning. Yeah. You can get all up in arms about what the, the prices were or the price was for Tanner Janot and Barclay Goodrow and, and everyone down the line. But guess what? They were, they are put themselves in a position where they could make that trade and put themselves in a position where they could make do on that trade by actually having success. Yeah. If you're, if you're the Devils, maybe that's a, a crazy move. But when you're the Tampa Bay Lightning, you can take those swings. So let me let me throw this stat at you. And I've been thinking about it all weekend. And NHL GM mentioned this to me on Friday. He said, after pick 24 in the draft, you have a 2.4% chance of that player playing 100 games or more in the NHL. Mm-hmm. So what are the odds that after pick 24 – that you and your scouting staff think that you're going to make the one in 50 pick. So then view that through the prism of the first round, second round, third, fourth, and fifth. I don't know. Like I, I, I take the bet and the 22 year old player every time. Of course I'm with you. I, I mean, I, I feel like, and when I say risk adverse, I just feel like, it's about like employment, you know, and keeping your job and not making the mistake that gets you fired. But really, you got to show some sort of ambition to put yourself in the position that Breezebaugh has put the lightning in over and over and over again. Um, but these also aren't just some guys that they're trading for. These are curated selections. It's not just like, hey, we're just going to trade for the best guy available on the market at this deadline. It's mm-hmm. like, no, we want Tanners or no. We want, they're all guys that no one has really been pounding their fists on the table for as a fan base. And I think the reason for that is they identify very specific skill sets and say, this fits within our group. I, I tackled this archetype ranking series before the season started and the lightning were actually my motivation for doing it. Because if you look at the way that Julian Brisebois puts his team together, he has all these different stylistic types of players, a distributor, a four checker, uh, you know, a, a pure shooter, they're all, they're all mapped out on a chart. And if you just take the names off and you just scribbled in archetype for those roles, 
you'd be able to to figure out who he's going to go get next based on how he views players, both skill set and their rank within that given position in the league. Because I'm told that's exactly what Tampa does. Mm. They it's not just skill set, but they rank every player in the entire league by skill set, and then they say, "Oh, you know what, Ryan McDonough." seems to have fallen out of top 40 defensemen. We're getting off of him at this exact moment in time, and we're going to get someone else. Wow. Uh, yeah. I mean, they got that talent base, right? A superstar talent base, that foundation, puts them in a position where they need other skills. And you've said archetypal, archetypal for what they want. Is it sort of archetypal to combat what the Maple Leafs have? Um. Well, I think they've done it, but on a, a a lower scale, and they've they've done it based on really the contracts that they have in place. Like I think they've had to pivot around that. And I think in a perfect world, from a team building exercise, they'd be more balanced. And I, that's no shock to anyone. Um, but when you look at the way that their forward group is structured, it's pretty close to that from a Tampa perspective. But when you look at it from a defense perspective, it's it's a little bit all over the place. And I think that that's been part of the issue for this team. Uh, so on the flip side of that, it is uh, the National Predators, who you said might be preparing for something. They've got Barry Trotz coming in. They might move Granlin. Granlin's been connected to the Leafs forever, it seems. Maybe there's something there. But do you expect them to take extreme measures to tear this down and help set the table for Barry Trotz in terms of prospect capital and futures capital? It seems like they're on that path. I don't know about extremes because there's only so much they can move. Like no one's taking on Matt Duchesne. Philip Forsberg is apparently an untouchable. Um, Yossi's an untouchable, and so is Soros. So I think one name you're going to hear a lot about this week is Matthias Ekholm. We talked about the other guys, Fabro um, and and Granlin, but uh, if they can try and find a way to move Matthias Ekholm this week and get something in return for them, I think that's what you're going to see them do next. Um, all right, lots going on this weekend, Frank. Let's shift to Timo Meyer, the big fish, uh, moving to New Jersey with a million other names and lists and picks and all in that trade. But basically, they got the big fish. Um, does this make New Jersey a legitimate Stanley Cup contender, and how do you rate the, the whole trade and the return? I think it does. And I had a player actually ask me this question last night, not to bring it back to the Leafs, but it's always interesting fodder. A player said to me, which team is better on paper at this exact moment in time, the Devils or the Leafs? And I was thinking, well, the Leafs probably get the edge at forward, the Devils on defense, and the goaltending is a wash because these two guys were quite literally partners last year in Washington and couldn't get it done. But it raises an interesting debate because, Jack Hughes has had a better season than Austin Matthews, for instance. And I think when you go to size up the overall Eastern Conference now, I say all that to say, not to stir controversy, but to say this Devils team now has a legitimate force that they've added in Timo Meyer on track for you know, likely his first 50-goal season. He's a different stylistic fit than what the Devils had previously. He's a pure shooter, a volume shooter. He's a beast he's big he's strong um and so there's lots of things to like about it from new jersey's perspective and what i think what i like most is the fact that they didn't have to give up any of their top prospects Mm -hmm. simon nemich still in the fold everyone was talking about alex holtz or what about dawson mercer are they going to have to part with some of these younger players that they have coming through their system and 
The answer is some of them, but not the top flight ones. And so when you look at what San Jose did, this trade is going to hinge on uh, Muka Madulin and, and what they think he is as a defenseman. Um, there's lots of teams that think he's, he's really going to be good and has some significant offensive flair as a half-point-per-guy player already in the KHL on the back end. Uh, and there's others that have their doubts about him. So San Jose made a bet from a scouting perspective that Luka Madolin is going to be the, the, the player that this deal hinges on. But I think when you size up the overall package, like it looks like a lot. And I think that's one thing that teams sort of back themselves into a corner with that you have to be careful is quantity over quality. Mm-hmm. And when you consider the pieces that were left on the table, it's Timo Meyer way up here. And then consider the stat that I just gave you about picks under 24. And then look at Muka Madul and, and the, the, the side pieces that come with him. There's a very big gap in, in, in talent disparity and known commodities between Meyer and the rest. Was it just Muka Madulin that was the biggest change? Because I know you mentioned you tweeted out a couple other offers from other teams, like Team 1, Team B, Team whatever, had a bunch of offers that seemed pretty good. Was Is it really just them having a really, I guess, high outlook on that one player specifically? Because there are a lot of players added in the deal, but is he just the, the big change for why San Jose bid on this one? Yeah, I think so. That's the best I can gather at, at this moment in time. I, there were teams that had offered a second-round pick, and I, I just went back to them yesterday and said, like, essentially that is what was traded. It's a first and a second that could become a first. And so, you know, the the Devils need to get to the conference final in one of these next two years in order to make that a first. And so there, it's not a long shot, but a lot needs to happen you know, you need to run down the Carolina Hurricanes and get past the Rangers in the first round. And we'll talk about in a second what's coming next for the New York Rangers. But, you know, from a, a Devils perspective, there there isn't a whole ton of risk here, given what you know is in your prospect pipeline with Nemich, you know, with Holtz up front, with, you know, Dawson Mercer already making an, an enormous impact on your team. When you stockpile your futures for so long, you have an ability, if you hit on picks, to be able to pluck from that and not really be too concerned about it moving forward. Okay, so we we mentioned that East is just a a battle regardless, and it looks like uh, Patrick Kane might be just waiting for the change to settle um, for New York Rangers to to get him there. Is that what you see? Quite literally change. change. Like like we're talking about like Mm -hmm. pocket change. Yep, the pocket change just to settle at the bottom. Um, Is that how you see it as well? And Are we just waiting until maybe Friday to give us something to talk about? Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, look, it's, I, I think everyone expects that it's happening. I think the understanding is that um, the Rangers and the uh, Chicago Blackhawks have some kind of deal that's in place or at least a, a few different frameworks that, that will ultimately complete this trade once uh, the Rangers clear the requisite cap space and make the machinations necessary. There could be a little bit of a tire wrench thrown into that today depending on what happens with uh, a potential suspension for Ke'Andre Miller. Mm-hmm. Um, that might push it back yet another day to Thursday. I think the original projection was that New York would have enough um, by Wednesday. So it could be Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whatever day it is. 
for all intents and purposes, I'm taking Patrick Kane off my trade targets for today. So how did we get to this point? Because we had been wondering and trying to figure out which direction Patrick Kane wanted to go. And did he just decide last week that, yep, you know what? I'm, I'm done with this. I'm good enough. I've shown myself over the last two weeks. I scored a bunch of goals. And now you want me and I want you. Or was this something that maybe took a little bit longer or was a little bit undercover and we just didn't hear as much as we thought? No, I, I think what changed was the New York Rangers' willingness to pivot and and after Tarasenko say we're still interested in Patrick Kane. The infatuation's always been there from Kane's perspective with Manhattan, with Showtime starring on Broadway. Um, and I think, interestingly enough, not just from a, a single playoff run perspective. Like, I think they were on a very short list of teams, um, you know, sort of early on that Kane had targeted and said, you know, the Artemi Panarin factor uh, the mystique of the arena and an original, another original six team, all those things might add up to him being a, a sort of uh, re-sign potentiality fit there. And so I think that's something to keep in the back of your mind as you see this trade ultimately connect is that this may not just be for a short run. And having made a hundred and some million dollars in his career, he may not need a huge payday or a long-term commitment to stay around. And so um, that's been there, but what changed was, and, and look, I don't think this was always in the Rangers' plan to trade for Tarasenko, and then that's it. Um, because if it was, then they would have handled their cap situation a lot better to be able to pull the trigger, uh, you know, over the weekend if they wanted to. So they're they're sort of you know changing a bit on the fly, and I I've heard that you know part of the um, push was their owner saying, hey, look. We want this guy. Go out and get him. Make it happen. Whatever you need to do in order to make this happen. And so the interest was always there from the Kane perspective. He was sort of like, uh, you know, a, a poor little guy at the eighth grade dance when, you know, you, you, don't, you lose your partner. You don't have anyone to dance with. And so he was sad for a few days, and it seems like it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out just fine. It pays to be the destination. I mean, Patrick Kane's going to show up on Broadway for, what, a third of the price for Tanner Janot? Maybe uh, it's it's pretty remarkable what uh, what's shaping up in the Eastern Conference and Rangers-Devils is going to be outstanding in the first round oh. if we do, in fact, get that. Uh, there really is 16 Chef's zone. Chef's kiss. Sorry? Chef's kiss, Rangers-Devils yeah. first round. Like these two, uh, So who, you add now Kane into the mix, likely. So Tarasenko and Kane added to a, a Ranger team that went to the conference final last year. And then now the Devils are loading up with Meyer. Like, I just, yeah, take that and hook it into my veins. Yeah, we cannot complain about the playoff format if it yields that. Although, if it was 1-8, to eight, I think it would still yield that right now. Um, quickly, so the big six teams, Carolina hasn't done anything. Toronto might have to have a reactive move here. Maybe Tampa still has a move. There are a ton of defensemen still on the board, not including Eric Carlson. When you look at the six and the power struggle here in the Eastern Conference, like where does the the pressure index, who's got to step up, who might be uh, the next up that really has to make something happen here to make sure that they're not the ones, you know, holding the bag at the end and, w- and without uh, the move that helps them compete in the Eastern Conference? Well, I would say Carolina is, they're involved in a whole bunch of different things since pivoting off of Meyer being told that they're out of the mix. I don't know how big of a swing they're going to take. I think their team they think is already really good. It doesn't need a whole lot. You can always get better, but if they do it, it's likely going to be for someone with term. And we've been saying that for a while. And and unlike the hurricanes, they're they're not going to probably pivot off of that and go towards a rental. 
And then the Pittsburgh Penguins, like they're a team that's sort of, well, what, what are they doing? They have a, a pretty big weekend, win both games. Uh, there was some talk, is this te- a team that might be ultimately interested in selling? I don't think so. I, 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 they want to add. I just don't know how big they'll go. And are they willing to move that first-round pick? That's the question. Another Monday rolls by with Chikrin, Carlson, et cetera, oh. on the trade block. I know. Here we are again. Is Carlson's that... off. Carlson's gone. Oh, yes. Okay. My career said last night that it's very unlike. I, my plan is that he'll be with us the rest of the okay. year. Okay. So I, I, read, Chikrin I, time, I thought then. that might have been a challenge. Hey, if you want Carlson, you got to be real. That's that's mm. the, He thinks Carlson's staying, or you think Carlson's staying for sure? Yes, because to my knowledge, and maybe there's there's something else that happened, the Oilers were the only team that's contacted them recently with any sort of, you know, opportunistic uh, chatter. And that that sort of ended pretty quickly. Okay, so whether we erase one name, uh, we still have a lot of defense, it looks like, on the board available. The forwards are slim picking maybe, but the D are available. Is this Dubas time? I, I do think the Toronto Maple Leafs have been pretty active in the defense market. I think they've got a list of guys um, that you know are, are arranged in preferential order that they're working to try and land. And um, what they end up using as capital is is actually most interesting to me, just from a pure cap perspective. You know, you see Matt Murray practice over the weekend. That doesn't seem like a guy that they're trying to stash uh, on the cap until the end of the regular season that looks to me like a guy that's going to need to be activated. And so that complication plus, um, you know, that means you're going to have to move a roster player at some point, whether it's Kerfoot, Engvall, trade Justin Hall from the back end. Hall doesn't make a lot of sense to me from the perspective of if you're trying to strengthen your blue line, you also don't want to weaken it at the exact same time. So that's part of the calculus as well. So I'd keep an eye on Kerfoot. Um, based on his cap hit, that that's the easiest one to move, um, you know, in, in the sense that you get the biggest, you know, return for it, taking off three and a half million bucks. I'm seeing JT Miller on Twitter and conversations around him. Is he on your trade target board and where would he be? He is. He's in the teens somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it's enough? overly likely. Uh, okay. No, I, I think enough. The reason he's on there is enough teams that I've talked to have, had internal conversations about him that I think Vancouver is eager to do something, whether it's Miller, whether it's one of their defensemen, whether it's Brock Besser or Connor Garland, they've talked for, you know, 15 months now about the need to create salary cap flexibility and they've done none of it. So it's time to actually, you know, put that to work and put that to action. And I'd imagine one of those pieces between now and Friday will move. And to set up the whole week for you, we've talked about all the big names that have gone. I'm calling this wild card week now because all of the big rentals for the most part have gone. And what that means is teams that are looking to improve are going to have to get creative. We're going to have to see real hockey trades. And I think from some of the names that have been out there, I'll add two of them for you. Uh, Elliot has hinted at Nick Schmaltz. I think there's, some real conversation there with the Coyotes. And I'll give you another one that hasn't been talked about as much, but has begun to percolate a little bit more in the last 24 to 48 hours, and that's Kevin Hayes. So think along the lines of guys that have some term, maybe have a cap hit that a team's not comfortable with. We just talked about Miller. 
it's wild card week. Buckle up. Okay. That's what a tease. We're fired up now, Frank. People are saying, oh, this week, there's nothing to be done. Well, it's wild card week. It may not happen. Yeah, well, I like it. Teams are going to be trying. I like to dream, Frank. Um, Enjoy the week. Mm -hmm. We'll be back Monday with you to break it all down. Hopefully there's lots going on for you. I'm just trying to make it to Monday, guys. (laughs) You got this. You got this. (laughs) Thanks, Frank. See you guys. That's Frank Cerebelli, NHL Insider, president of Hockey Content at DailyFaceLoft.com. He's got, obviously, great rundowns of the trade rankings, uh, trade targets. You can find all that at DailyFaceLoft.com. And, of course, our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online. And in the showroom, visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. It's wild card week. I'm here for it. I'm dreaming, too. I think it's going to be a good week. I do. I think there's there's a lot. There are enough teams that are seeing other teams be creative, both mm-hmm. good and bad, that it's like, why are we on the sidelines here? Why are we not doing anything? Why are we not trying to improve? Why are we not trying to tear down? Like not, like when I asked about the extent of which Nashville tearing down, like how aggressive could that be? Are we, he, he poured cold water on with, without me saying it, but are we Soros aggressive? Never, right? We can't be that Apparently aggressive. Not, no. Apparently not, but like we need more Nashvilles. Teams that recognize the writings on the wall and they start dealing assets to try and spin it forward. I love what he said about Tampa. Like you win as long, you try to win as long as you can and then you go hard in the other direction. It's about understanding what you are and going after that one objective, be great and then be bad, then be great again. Surprised to see Barry Trotz taking over as GM of the national pre- or pre- yeah GM of the president yeah. national presidents. Wow. Uh, I guess you know the guy in charge once David Poyle leaves mm-hmm. uh, this summer. No, not really. I think it was always kind of linked. Like he wanted a general manager role rather yeah. than a coaching role moving forward. Could he do the hybrid? I think the hybrid's tough. It I think it kind of makes all the sense in the world. Poyle's been at mm-hmm. it for a long time. Yeah. And now I guess he's been given, I don't know, Barry Trotz is probably making some decisions right now. I, I don't think you're trading Tanner Janot if <laughs> Barry Trotz doesn't want you to at this point. So I guess they're probably working together for a little bit. But yeah, Poyle gets to ride off in the sunset after never quite reaching the ultimate goal, mm. but putting a really what, competitive team on. I wonder how we start to evaluate on. his legacy. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, hard, it's hard to be like overly flattery about it, but he's like a hockey guy that's been around forever. And for that reason, he'll get a lot of respect. But the fact of the matter is like, it's been an, it's been a mediocre team, as Frank put it, for a long time. Did you see the National Predators tweet last night? They uh, photoshopped that sunglasses emoji on him and said, "Good night, Smashville," with a crown on Poyle. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> I thought it was strange. <laughs> it's aggressive after getting people are like, mm, okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess they're pretty happy with the turn for Tanner Janot, and they should be. It's good for Tampa, I mm-hmm. believe. It's also really good for Nashville, who gets rid of a guy who makes $800,000 on the cap, is not a star player, will never be a star player, but is useful and is only useful to good teams, not teams that are headed in the direction of the dumpster. All right. A couple things to talk about still. We have the wake and rake at 8.30. No Toronto sports. Want to hear your thoughts on the the Paul Fury fight because that was a highly anticipated... You're into it, eh? Well, I just want to forget it. I would like to just hear because we got a we got Matt from Kitchener saying the whole fight was basically punch, punch, grapple, punch. Might as well be MMA fighters by how much they wanted to grab each other. I think it was just a, it was different than people's I, expectations. I think, uh, I think Paul definitely he definitely got exposed because Fury mm-hmm. was definitely the better boxer. Jake Paul did knock him down in the last round. I thought that that might because it's kind of greasy, right? Like well, apparently you don't really the refing know was a little the refereeing, sus. but like, are the judges going to be legit? Is Jake Paul got enough money in the world to make sure that he gets the right call? I, 
I thought there was a chance he was going to win based on that because they mm-hmm. could spin it. But uh, yeah, it's it was pretty low quality boxing in the end. Final thing in the text line, obviously your picks, but what did you make of the first weekend with the new MLB rules? We got to see them rolled out. Variety of different changes, including that pitch clock, which brought a lot of heat to finish a game. Um, are you a fan? Did you enjoy your viewing experience? Did it allow you time to catch your breath or were you just boom, boom, boom? And is that maybe what you want from baseball? There's a lot of different thoughts and feelings. Send that in at 590-590. It was our first opportunity to see it all in action. We did talk to Shai DVD at 7. If you want to go back and listen to that on the pod, it was great. Blue Jays do play today as well. So maybe that's, uh, I don't know if you can bet on Grapefruit League, but. We, we might need a specialist. I don't think I'm going to be throwing around Grapefruit League picks. <laughs> Okay, the Wake and Rake on the other side of the break on the Fan Morning Show. Everything you need to know about the Blue Jays. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wake up! Now it's time for Wake and Rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money! With Ailish and Justin. All right, let's wrap up a Monday with the Wake and Rake. No Toronto sports in action. The Maple Leafs get a day between their day off here between the Edmonton Oilers on Wednesday, so a little bit of rest. Um, Calgary Flames right after that on a back-to-back. And then the Canucks on Saturday, so their little West Coast Canada tour is starting up. And mm-hmm. the a couple Chica- days out, off out West there. Yeah, it's nice. Well, they're in Seattle yesterday. They get probably get today off and then Tuesday back on the ice. Wednesday game. That'll be a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, the Chicago Bulls are at the Toronto Raptors tomorrow. And so you got no Toronto sports tonight. So we got some creative picks in the text line. We'll get to those. Want to start with our picks? Uh, do you want to do the NHL futures? Oh, yeah. Let's do that. Okay. Let's so that. with all the shuffling happening specifically in the West or the East Coast, sorry, nothing going on the West Coast, um, we have some updated NHL odds so for the stanley cup bruins at plus 450 they've pretty much been a lock at the top for quite a while mm-hmm. they got better so did some other teams in the eastern conference but not enough to top them from being your lowest odds to win the cup followed by the colorado avalanche which is still surprising because there's so many good teams in the eastern conference but then you think about it if one team's going to make it from the west with an easier route could who's, it be them? who's going to offer colorado resistance yeah, they've been like languishing in wild card select or wild card territory all year long. They are up to third in the central division now, mm-hmm. but they're only three points back of the stars. They they could just, you know, be in third gear for eighty percent of the season, take the division title, get an easy first round matchup against a team like Seattle, like we just saw Seattle yesterday. It doesn't look like they're gonna really put up any much of a fight against Colorado. Who's gonna Who's gonna test Colorado in the Western Conference? So, if someone's gonna test Colorado in the Western Conference, a great opportunity to pick some value here because the Oilers and the Stars are both plus fifteen hundred to win the Stanley Cup. So, if one team has to make it from the Western Conference, and if the Colorado are only plus six hundred, and you can get value at the Stars and the Oilers for the same amount plus fifteen hundred, I don't know. It's just worth a ponder. Okay, so this market has moved, right? Mm-hmm. It's moved. That's why we're kind of bringing it up. Carolina making it, or uh, sorry, uh, the Devils making a big move, maybe jumping up the odds board a little bit. But now I think if you're placing a bet, you're like anticipating something to happen. So who are do you, you think anticipating? Make a move? I don't know how the Oilers do nothing. I, plus just don't, I don't know how it's possible that they do nothing. It's 
you have Connor McDavid mm-hmm. and Leon Dreisaitl. For two more years after this one, Dreisaitl's contract comes up first, I believe. You got it. Like, nothing is going to help you at the 2023 draft in the final year of Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid's deals. It's not going to help you. You have to make sure that you improve this team. So I feel like you could circle Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Lesser competition to get through. The, the Pacific Division's not as good. Maybe Vegas does something. Maybe the Stars do something. Maybe the Stars have made their move and it didn't do anything because Dadanov's not much of a difference maker. I feel like you're trying to anticipate it, but really you can make an argument for all these teams improving. You can make an argument that Colorado go out and make a big splash. They made really, really wise deals before the deadline. Did they get Jack Johnson back yesterday? They did. I would say <laughs> probably maybe shoot a little higher, but they got Arturi Lackanen and Josh Manson. They made all the difference in the world for that team. And they looked, and they were unbeatable, of course, at least in the Western Conference. And they won the Stanley Cup. So I think you're trying to anticipate who's going to do something. Get in front of it before the odds decrease. Sounds good. Um, yeah, so sorry. I mentioned that Stars and Oilers plus 1,500 Golden Knights also plus 1,500. So they're down there a bit, but it goes Bruins, Avs, Hurricanes, Maple Leafs, Devils, Rangers, Lightning. So there's the uh, the bottleneck at the top. What do you have the Lightning on? The Lightning here at plus 1,300. They make a move. They go up a bit more. Get them I, I don't want to say it, but that might be the best one. You I know think? people, are, the, the, the Genoa thing's uh, controversial, and people don't you know think that's too big of a price, but that doesn't matter for this year. What matters is, is Tampa better? Does Tampa have another move? Does Tampa go out and get Gavrikov and all of a sudden you you look at that team and it looks just as as imposing as the Stanley Cup champions did from a couple years ago? They still have the same team. They do have to go through Boston and they do have to go through Toronto, but they're still the Tampa Bay Lightning. Okay, plus 1,300. Maybe that's what you're circling. Futures cuff. Um, so this one pick from the New Jersey Devils acquiring Timo Meyer depends on them winning or a finalist in the Eastern Conference. Going to an Eastern Conference final once over the next two seasons will turn a second-round pick to a first-round pick. So for them to win the Eastern Conference this year is plus 600. I don't know if I'm completely there on the Devils. I don't think I am yet, but just for context, if they could get there and do that, that's your odds. But why I like, and you you cannot quibble with the Meyer move. They got a really good player, and they didn't really pay much, and they kept all their great prospects. It's a great move. But the difference between some of these moves and maybe the difference in the end between the Leafs move and comparing it to everybody else, at least so far, O'Reilly is not a lock to stay. Meyer is. Jeannot is. A lot of players are moving that have term. Mm -hmm. If you can get players with term, they help you for multiple seasons. It's a lot easier to stomach. It's more palatable. A lot of the success and failure of the O'Reilly deal will hinge on whether or not O'Reilly stays, which means that you're stepping into some unknown unless you do have a little handshake agreement. Okay, so that's kind of your preview of how things changed. We have all week of the trade deadline on Friday. Uh, We'll have full coverage that day as well, all over the station and on TV. So hopefully there'll be some good things that happen that day. But nonetheless, it's wild card week as Frank Saravelli has trademarked. Lots to come, maybe some shuffling in the futures odds. So just take a look today and see what changes moving forward. All right, should we do our picks? Yes, um, I'm going to go with the... Dallas Stars in regulation over the Canucks. They need to win. Um, they're looking to figure out what's Colorado, next for you're them. Colorado, those footsteps from they the Stanley are. Cup champions. And the Vancouver Canucks are the Vancouver Canucks. So for the Dallas Stars to win in regulation will be my selection. It's around 140, minus 140. Them in um, just a straight-up money line is minus 275, so a bit steep for me. I got a 140 as well, but this one will just be on the money line. Boston Bruins are in Edmonton, mm. uh, minus 140 favorites. Edmonton Oilers are not the type of team that generally trips up a team like the Boston Bruins. Yeah. 
Boston's the best team in the in the league. They are the Stanley Cup favorites, as we just outlined. If they are hovering near even money odds, I know minus one forty is not quite even money. <laughs> it's not but if even you're, close. <laughs> if you're in that range, I'm gravitating towards it. If it's within range on our parameters, mm-hmm. under minus two hundred or less, I am all over it. Boston wins clearly more often than not. I think they beat the Oilers more often than not. So I'll take Boston minus one forty. It's close enough to even odds. Yeah, sure. Um, five games in the NHL tonight, only four in the NBA. So slim pickings. Blue Jays play today. We're not putting that in our wake and rake, but we'd like a specialist. If you're interested to join the team, give us some spring training There's so picks. Much, like, uh, There's so cr- much variety. Like, you don't even know what's going to happen. Credit to anyone who can like successfully handicap it. But like... It's all about intentions, right? We talk about Shai Davidi in the mm-hmm. 7 a.m. hour. He's like, oh, someone will just be working on their changeup for two innings. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, how do you predict? How do you, how do you know if that changeup is going to miss bats or hit all of them? Especially if the, if a pitcher becomes predictable because they're working on something. I just think it's like, you got to. No, it's more for fun. More for fun, yeah. Yeah. Don't bet the house. Um, okay. Just five bucks. Here are some picks um, from our text line. I'm just putting in a, um, right there if you saw that. This is from Frank Saravelli. I'm going to read it afterwards, but he's given some intel about... Oh, give it to us now. Give it to okay, us now. Okay, okay. So Frank Saravelli just tweeted this out, who we just had on the line. Would be surprised if the Bolts don't go long-term now with Janot. Believe the Predators and Janot were talking somewhere between the six years by $2 million range. Nick Paul signed in Tampa for seven years at three and a half or $3.15 million. Colin, um, ooh, Colton Sissons. Sissons can never say that. In Nashville was seven years, two point eight six. Both bought more UFA years. So it looks like Frank's thinking that maybe the Preds and might give some context to what the Bolts could sign Janelle for. And again, that goes, that goes to the argument. A small village for someone who's going to command $12 million over six seasons mm-hmm. is pretty wild. It six is pretty wild. Is a, this is a clearly defined role player that plays deeper in the lineup. But as we just talked about with Frank, they want to plug and and grab a specific skill set. And that's the formula that's worked for them. Mm-hmm. Goodrow, Coleman, Paul, Hagel, down the line now to Janot. They've used that and that support system for their superstar foundation to win playoff games. And until it stops working, I'm going to assume it's going to work. Looks like we'll be hearing from Julian Brisebois around 11 a.m. this morning when he's going to address the media. So learn about more Tanner Janot news then. But that was from Frank Cervelli about two minutes ago about some intel for Janot. Um, okay, so let's pick our anchor picks. So just to remind, we are at uh, Dallas Stars in regulation, Bruins on the money line. Let's add one in here. We've got uh, Nick saying, "Good, go- hey, guys, love the show. I really like Colorado and Vegas over five and a half. Would even take it at six. Colorado's been scoring a lot of goals lately, and they don't trust Vegas to keep it out of their net. Yeah, that's an interesting number. Five and a half. I, I kind of like that. Okay. I'm seeing at six, a plus 100, but five and a half is a good number. Mm-hmm. Uh, tonight's college basketball slate doesn't do much for Chad for Peterborough. Uh, but if you had to make a pick, it'd be Weber State Moneyline minus 110. <laughs> I do have the perfect just five bucks future bet, he says, though. Ooh. Watch out for Florida Atlantic come tournament time. Their current net ranking is 19th in the country. RPI 12th in the country. They play great D, can shoot the lights out. Right now, you can grab him plus 4,000 to make the final four, plus 20,000 wow. to win the tournament. How about just $1? Grab these today before they re enter the top 25 again. That is Chad from Peterborough okay. all over Florida Atlantic. Let's do it. I love a futures bet. 
said no, said not me, said you. Said me um, every day. Every day. Good morning. Ottawa versus Detroit, minus one and a half on the spread. No chance. Hammer Detroit plus one and a half. Colorado versus Vegas over five and a half. All day long, that's Buff Daddy. There's okay, so a big support here for Vegas and Colorado over. This is Corey from Port Hope. His wake and rake, Jalen Brunson, over 24 and a half points tonight versus the Celtics. I'm a big Jalen Brunson guy. I got a long ticket on him as most improved player, so I'm cheering for Jalen Brunson. I won't happiness hedge this one. Um, okay, let me just highlight that one. Okay, so we've got Neil from Newfoundland in here today. Good morning. Went one for two in show picks on Yeah, we Friday. got a little greedy with Neil. I was like asking for more, 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 Neil. And Neil got a little unlucky with his main pick, hit his second pick, didn't hit his third okay, pick. It happens. But Neil's still crushing it. Neil was a little unlucky with that first one, too. He should be two and one, as he says. It's all right, Neil. We love you. Today from ATP, Dubai going with... Kachanov. Kachanov, minus two and a half games oh, the, the over. The second one's harder. He ben. goes sorry, Alish in brackets, because he knows we have to read these. Kachanov, minus two and a half games over Van de Zandeschlop. <laughs> okay, yeah, Van de pretty... Zandeschlop. Yeah. Like, you know. Van de, Van de Zandeschlop. Kachanov is on a great run over the last couple of months, and the other guy's been struggling to get wins as of late. So I see an easy cover here, Neil, with the sorry Ailish and brackets. Thanks, Neil. Love it. Uh, Eric from Burlington, good morning. I like the Bruins puck line tonight. Oilers can outscore a lot of teams, but Boston is not one of them. I just have the money line, but uh, I think if you want to get aggressive on the puck line, I'm here for that as well. Okay, here's a text. No name, just ranted in the score. All, All right. right. <laughs> uh, Slimmy Boy says he's two for two since sending picks. Verhage smashing seven shots on Friday to hit the over. He likes Jalen Brunson too, over five and a half assists. Currently averaging seven in his last five games. Okay. Finally, Cody in St. Catherine says, Morning, guys. Let's start the week off right tonight. Love beat over 10 and a half rebounds. He's hit it nine of the last 12 and four of the last five. Should have plenty of opportunity. Okay. We have one double, one duplicate. It's the over Vegas, Colorado. Is that where we're going? I think that's the that's the play. Um, let's put that in. It's at six. So should I tease down to five and a half? Because that's what people are seeing. Yeah, let's tease it down. Okay. Tease down to five and a half. And we'll lock that in there. Just a second. So Bruins money line, got it. Stars on the three-way puck line, and the over Vegas and Colorado gives us. It's not too spicy. Uh, Three ninety-two is what I'm seeing it we'll at. We'll take it. We'll take it. A win's a win. Let's get it. Okay. So the big story today, Tanner Janot, right? Timo Meyer gets traded, but it's all about Tanner Janot mm-hmm. going to the Lightning for a first, a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth. Was it five draft picks? Basically one of everything. And Calfoot going the other way. And yeah, I mean, the the argument too, and a lot of what we've seen on the text line is like, yeah, if Toronto did this, we'd be slamming them. Yeah, a lot of people would, but any team that is trying to win a Stanley Cup that believes they might be a couple pieces or one piece away from doing it, they need one specific player because they believe that can get them over the hump. I'm not going to begrudge any team that trades a lot to try and get that player. In the end, what is this all about? It's about winning Stanley Cups. And if you're not trying to win the Stanley Cup, what are you doing exactly? A team that's made it to the Stanley Cup final three years in a row and so won they, two. So they've had success supporting their top guys with players with high utility. Tanner Janot last year was scoring a ton of goals, was in the Calder Trophy discussion, hits, fights, does it all. He's the type of guy, if he did play for the Leafs, this town and city would love. Mm-hmm. Maybe you wouldn't love the price, but you'd love Tanner Janot. And it makes them a little bit better and it makes lightning, the Lightning even scarier as a postseason threat because guess what? They are still the boogeyman. As much as this is all about Boston 
And we in the city have our own personal history you with Boston. you got to get through one to get to the Tampa other. Tampa is the team that everyone has been scared of for the last five years. And if Julian Breezebaugh thinks it's a good move, which he clearly does, <laughs> and that it can help that team, we should be a little concerned about Tampa getting better. Tampa lost last night pretty bad to Penguins, 7-3. Mm-hmm. They play the Panthers tomorrow, the Penguins again Thursday, and then Saturday against the Sabres, which I'm going to go to. You'll be there. I'm going to go to Buffalo. Buffalo. I'm going to see Tanner Janot in person. You can give us a good scouting report next Tage Monday. Maybe Thompson, another hat trick. But they play a nice 12.30 p.m. game. I think it's the makeup game for the one that was stormed out, if you remember that. Oh, it is. Yeah. Um, I believe so. Nonetheless, big game on Saturday. I'm going to head down to Buffalo and see him up close in person. Then I'll let you know if we like Tanner Janot or not. There you go. <laughs> and I like what Frank said, too, is like they have a plan. Like, let's exhaust our resources until we are done. We are done competing. Mm-hmm. When they reach their expiration date, it's going to be sell, 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 sell. That's the way you have to operate. It's full measures always. And we'll see if the other teams, including the Leafs in the Eastern Conference, have something to react to what Boston has done, to what New Jersey has done, and now what Tampa has and done. And what the New York Rangers are going and to do And what the New York Rangers days. are planning to do with Patrick Kane. So who does it come down to now? Carolina's got to do something. I guess the big question for us, do the Leafs have to do something? Do they have to look at this latest move and do anything? Or is it just like, okay, Jeannot's not a big deal. We believe in what we have. I still still think apart from Jeannot, apart from what Boston did, if the Leafs are truly going to try to win a Stanley Cup this year and believe they can, there there are areas where you can improve this team and maybe they should explore those. But again, a guy like Jeannot, who's around for multiple seasons, Meyer, around for multiple seasons, that's the type of guy I think they need because what was our rule? No you half measures. No, but you can't ruin 2024. Also that. Because you want to try and win <laughs> then as well. Lots of here. And if they just, if, if O'Reilly's gone and you spend those first <laughs> round picks, you got nothing out of it, then it's not going to feel as good. But if you spend a lot to have someone that helps you for multiple seasons, then you might feel like it's worth it. Okay. No Maple Leafs, no Raptors in action today, but the Blue Jays continue their spring training schedule this afternoon, taking on the Atlanta Braves at 1 p.m. You can catch that on Sportsnet 590, the fan and the Sportsnet app. So just stay tuned for that. We'll be back tomorrow to tee up Chicago Bulls here against the Toronto Raptors at 7.30 p.m. and take a look if more action has happened, if Patrick Kane is one step closer to the Rangers deal, which we believe is just pending. Pending some change. Just a casual ad, Tarasenko and Kane. No big deal before this <laughs> trade. Deadline. All right. Thanks for listening this morning. Justin and Ailes will be back tomorrow morning on the Fan Morning Show.